For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Friday episode of Private Parts. Now, uh, listen, what you're going to be thinking, hey, where's Alex? Where's the co-host? He's not here, but he is here for the episode. So that's right. Um, He's not here because I have to pull my bloody weight in this podcasting world. That's a lie. We we didn't record an intro for our episode today um, with the amazing Deliciously Ella, formerly known as Ella Woodward, but she's now Ella Mills. She is our guest on our episode today, and we talk about all sorts of things. We talk about diet, nutrition. We talk about uh, illnesses. We talk about uh, FMCG, fast-moving consumer goods. Don't worry, I'm in the biz, so I know the lingo. Um, We talk about what it is to run a brand and build a brand and how tough it can be. We talk about family. We talk about so many things, and I've been such a fan of Ella for so long. It was amazing to sit in a room with her and actually understand and get an insight into what she's been through, how tough it was for her, so many things. Um, A really amazing episode, which I can't wait for you to listen to. Now, I'm not going to ramble on because there's no point, so we're going to go straight into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Private Parts Podcast, Deliciously Ella on the podcast. Ella, what we like to do on the podcast is we ask our guests to look straight down the camera and describe themselves in 30 seconds. It's a really hard task and it's uh, embarrassing and it's awkward. Yeah, it feels It's actually already. quite mean. I'm yeah, starting to think it's mean. quite mean. And we love it. So if you can do that down the camera and your time starts now. How do I know when the time finishes? Well, it's going, it's ticking. I, you'll feel it. You'll feel, you'll it. feel it. You'll okay. feel it. Oh, it's ticking. Hi, I'm Ella Mills. Nice to meet you. I'm the founder of Deliciously Ella, which is a plant-based health and well-being brand. I started it 10 years ago now after I was very, very ill. Got to a very dark place in my life and I wanted to ch- turn my life around and was one of those founders where I solved my own problem and then realized I could solve hopefully the same problem for a lot of other people. And I've been doing that ever since. Well, rambling. How was that? That was, that was great. That was good. Welcome it was probably to, like 10. Welcome to the podcast. That Thank was amazing. Um, hey, I, I'm, I, I'm super excited to, for you to be on this podcast because finally I can chat business with someone. And I feel like this is just going to be FMCG chat the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. I know it is. Do you know I what? predicted this earlier. FMCG, fast moving consumer goods. I used to throw that out when I was started to be, when I first started Candy Kittens, I threw that out everywhere. I thought, and I used to throw the word out entrepreneur all the time. I thought I was some sexy, cool you still, dude. You still no, I don't. I, really, I don't think I'm sexy at all. Um, do you look at your brand, Deliciously Ella, um, and feel really proud of it, of what you've achieved and what you've done? Such an interesting question. Sometimes, um, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, and I think most people can, which is that I think sometimes you get so caught up in the busyness, and I'm sure it's very similar for you guys at Candy Kittens. It does feel like you're 
continuously solving a problem and it's like a never-ending firefighting exercise in some ways I think owning a business there's a kind of 24-7 relentlessness of it which means I think sometimes it's quite hard to take a step back and appreciate the journey Mm -hmm. um if we're going to call it that and so it's quite hard I think sometimes to realize how far you've taken it and what you've done because you're so busy looking at the next problem and trying to solve it but you do have moments where you're talking about the brand and the company and what we've built up and you feel incredibly proud and I think for me it's this sense of community you know you get messages from people and they'll say you know this really changed my life and that for me that's the proudest thing by a million miles yeah because your intro was amazing because you literally changed your own life which is insane and actually I don't think a lot of people know this and I I kind of want you to bring us back to that moment you were really not well and you had chronic fatigue and you had dizziness and you had loads of different things going on and this was during university so take us back to that what happened how you were feeling all of that yeah exactly so it was 11 years ago now and it really happened out of nowhere as a student I just finished my second year at St Andrews loving it and really enjoying my life and I out of nowhere got very very ill I woke up one morning and something wasn't right and over every day it got worse and worse and worse and I spent the next sort of three to six months in that hospital I saw neurologists and endocrinologists and gastroenterologists and so on and so forth and was told I might have this disease or this disease or this disease and kind of you name it they tested for it and I had MRIs and ultrasounds and endoscopies I woke up in hospital to post a note saying nil by mouth you know because you've got to have this test and this test and all the rest nil by mouth means no water no food nothing and it's because I was so out of it it's a note being like no one feed her basically I mean it's what I mean, it's, it's, it, in re- I was so unwell and I was so kind of finding it so difficult mentally. I think I kind of checked out that I look back on things like that mm. now and I'm like, God, I don't know why I didn't find that more kind of anxiety inducing. But I think I was so kind of dejected that I almost didn't notice. Mm. And I was then diagnosed with a condition which is called postural tachycardia syndrome and it affects your autonomic nervous system. So right. couldn't control my heart rate, digestion, circulation. I had chronic fatigue, I had chronic pain. The easiest thing to liken it to is kind of extreme long COVID. It's the first time that I've had something that I think people can start to get in their minds what it could be like. But I literally could barely leave the house. I could barely get out of bed. Mm. Um is the kind of crippling exhaustion was almost the worst part. But then every time you stood up, my heart rate would be 180, 190, and you you lose your vision or you think you're going to black out or you do black out. So I was 21 and I was on steroids. I was on beta blockers. I was on antacids. I was on all kinds of medications. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tried absolutely everything I could try. And they're all repurposed. They work really well for some people. They don't work very well for other people. It wasn't guaranteed, but I just assumed it would work. You know, it's like getting tonsillitis, you get antibiotics, mm. you just kind of feel like it's a shoe And you believe the doctors, you believe everyone, they, yeah. this is going to work. Yeah, you what, just do what you're what, told. What causes it? They don't really know. Don't know. Um, it can be a kind of virus, sometimes a virus you don't even know about. So I tested positive for glandular fever, but I didn't have any symptoms of it. So right. it could have been just a subclinical virus like that, which mm. for some reason creates this weird cascade but they didn't know. So is it, is it like the immune system kind of just like going mad almost and yeah, like causing it's, havoc? It's, it's basically the all the systems that should self-regulate get out of whack. And then as soon as one gets out, it's effectively it felt like a kind of very negative spiral. Um, each thing felt like it made the next thing a little bit worse. And then lots of the drugs had 
quite a lot of side effects that then made other things worse. So I then got these chronic infections. I spent three and a half years on antibiotics. I used to have to go into hospital for antibiotic drips. I mean, it was- This is miserable. It was was so miserable. And I think it was so much more miserable than I realized as well, because again, I just checked out. I kind of couldn't fathom how to talk to people about it because- you know, you're in your early 20s. Yeah, I was going to say, it's also a time in your life when you're supposed to be like out, having the having best the time be- yeah. ever. Exactly. And so I think, you know, I was literally just at home with my mum. I watched so much, you know, the Kardashians a hundred times over, <laughs> refreshed Facebook more times than anyone ever could. And so, yeah, you're living this kind of quite depressing and very tiny life. And mm. as you said, all your friends are traveling and they're going out. And so I found it, yeah, really difficult to relate to people and talk to people about it. And I became very embarrassed and very kind of um withdrawn from everybody else around me because i just felt that everyone would look at me like i was very alien why does that happen always in situations always shame and embarrassment and i don't know why it's so funny you know people typically with with health problems whether it's mental or physical whatever it is we always feel embarrassed why, why, why did you feel embarrassed? I know it's such a good question. I think it's such an important question as well, because as you said, it's incredibly common when yeah. you're going through something difficult, as you said, whether that's mental or physical. And I don't know what it is. I think it was that, I think it was that I felt that I was just different to everybody else. And in reality, I wasn't. I mean, yes, it was maybe more extreme, but you know, so many of us go through mental, physical challenges with our health. It, it's probably more relatable than you think, but I think it's that sense, isn't it? We're not necessarily all great at being really vulnerable all the time and being honest. You know, if I said to you say like, how are you? You'd probably say, yeah, I'm really good. Now, obviously we, we'd only known each other like 15 minutes. So it might be weird if you told me your whole life story. I, I mean, it terrible. wouldn't, I'd love he it. Yeah, yeah, but we don't I do feel that. Terrible. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? We don't really do that. No, you do really. like, I, I you think... know what, if I'm having such a bad day, like this has happened or this has happened or I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that. And we're just not great at doing it. It's so accepting that weakness, isn't it? And, exactly. and letting other people see it. And which how we normal find it so is. terrifying to do. Exactly. So I think that's what it is, is that I think I had this sense of feeling other. And so I just thought, well, I just won't talk to people because if I just don't talk to them, they can't judge me. Uh, and that's dangerous, right? Because then what happens, you, you, you sort of become a recluse and then that's a sort of self um, fulfilling prophecy. So then it just gets it's cyclical. It just gets worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse. So then you almost just reject everyone. Because yeah. you, you, you can't go out and face anyone because it's become too much. Exactly. And you kind of then, like, I almost felt like I'd lost the ability to have, like, normal Just, conversations with yeah. people. Social. I mean, you did lockdown before it was cool. You did yeah, exactly. back in the day. <laughs> I know. I spent... When it came around, you were some like, I got this. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, literally. I know how to do <laughs> yeah. this. I'm really Get the Kardashians on. Get my Facebook up. <laughs> we are ready to rumble, people. <laughs> exactly. That is really tough. I didn't realize it was that extreme. I, You know, because you read articles about you and you, you see, I've seen interviews of yours and I, as I said, been fan of the brand. So I, I know a bit about you, but I didn't realize it was that extreme. And at such a vulnerable age of 21, God, when I was 21, I had no clue who I was and I was so insecure and I was so wide-eyed, doe-eyed, whatever it is, just following everything and I wanted to fit in, be cool, uh, go on the right holidays. And you can't do any of that. What does that do to your mental state at the time? Yeah, I think it's, um, my self-esteem was just kind of rock bottom. And it's really interesting, actually. I always say, I think it took me a lot longer to get better mentally than it did physically. You know, physically, after Mm. a few years, I came off the medication, my health was relatively stable. But it's taken me such a long time. And I always think it's probably a little bit of it lingering, actually, 
of feeling normal again mm. I mean what what even is normal you know we'd all define it as something different anyway and it's quite a fluid concept but I do I think I've, I've noticed there's a little bit of it that stays with me of like oh will I fit in what will people think but we don't talk about it do we no of course said, not. it's so normal you might go to a party or a birthday or a wedding or something and you maybe don't know that many people but other people will be there too being like oh my gosh I'm a loner you know what do I do who do I talk to but we never say it I've now do this new thing where I do say it weirdly so I I, I, I just, just break the ice yeah I do I think it does break the ice it I, does yeah 100% I had this thing for so long I've spoken loads in the podcast I had a panic attack I had anxiety all these different things and I just never told anyone that I was feeling this way and and uh, you know mine wasn't sort of um health issues in terms of physical health issues like yours mine was very much these sort of anxiety that i was dealing with but i never spoke about it to anyone ever ever i just denied it all the time and and you know I, i've learned to live got better with it all that different stuff um but my thing now is is if, if i feel a bit like tired or uh socially awkward or whatever it is which is kind of rare sometimes but i say it now I, i'll go for dinner with him or whoever or friends when i go i just feel god guys i feel like i'm not on the best form tonight and i feel like that always kind of breaks the ice because then typically people go yeah i feel the same i feel the same and i feel like more we talk about it the better oh yeah 100 percent. yeah it's just so much better that way the interesting thing though is that you then come out of that situation and you then as you're saying you were given all this medication all this advice and it's kind of working but not really but then you sort of move towards your diet isn't that right yeah exactly so as you said it was kind of working but probably made me like five or ten percent better and then came with a whole host of other side effects so probably ended up netted out about zero which meant perfect being at home with my mum forever and I love my mum so much but you know it was the thought of that honestly was one of the things that made me want to change because I was like my future felt murky <laughs> and um and I started I've been googling and I started coming across all these people all over the world they had all sorts of different issues and they were loads of them were using their diet and their lifestyle. And it was having such a profound impact on the way that they were living and the way they felt. And I just felt, well, you know what? I've got literally nothing to lose at this point. If it worked for them, maybe it would work for me. Mm. But I literally, and obviously this would be great news to you, all I liked to eat was sweets. That mm. was it. Delicious. <laughs> Delicious, exactly. Delicious. <laughs> I mean, I just really didn't, I really didn't enjoy cooking. I had no interest in it. Um, and so I announced to my mum the next morning, I was like, right, I'm going plant-based. Um, I'm going to start a website teaching myself to cook. And I could see her reaction and other people's reaction. It wasn't that they weren't trying to be supportive, but they were a little bit surprised mm. as someone that didn't like vegetables, that couldn't cook, had no interest in cooking, being like, I'm going to start a recipe website. I mean, it's a bit ironic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But did you have a history though of um, being quite opinionated and dominant in some area? Because to suddenly change your whole diet and go, right, I'm going to do this. Were you always kind of like that? Yeah, I think so. And I've always been someone that's just... I really like autonomy and I really like making my own decisions. And I really have always struggled with doing what other people want me to do. Wow, that's such a juxtaposition because then when you were feeling so unwell, you were so trapped. And exactly. so therefore that's the worst thing for you to feel. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think it made it a lot worse is you're suddenly so reliant on other people. You know, my mum always says you should like come and pick me up even from nursery school and all the kids would be doing something and I'd be by myself in the corner. And not because I was being bullied. <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you doing in the corner? With a dunce hat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just making noises. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ostracised from one. Yeah. No, oh, she's at it again. <laughs> but I just always like, well, I don't want to play that game. You know, I want to do this. And I've always, always been like that. And I'm still very much like that today. And so I think for me, it was just seemed quite normal to, to, do, to do my own thing and follow that route. And it didn't really occur to me to kind of think differently about it. Mm. But I, I, I find that that's really unique. And actually, what, weirdly, what it takes, in my opinion, to become a founder and a business uh, owner, you have to kind of block out all the noise and actually follow your naivety a lot of the time. We're, I, I say this, I say this, all, naivety is your biggest superpower. You love, I, you love naivety. I fr- <laughs> yeah, it, it, when it's positive. When it is positive, I do 100%. And I think that... Um, this is so. This is what you have to do in terms of if you have to go down, you know, setting up a business, whatever it is. You have to kind of be ruthless with your decisions and also just be naive to situations and go, well, I think this is going to be right for me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You you Google the plant-based art, you go, okay, fine, this is something that I'm going to go for. You start doing it, and then you haven't turned back since. So what happens then next? It, so, I mean, it's slow. It wasn't like a kind of miracle cure overnight by any means. But within a few months, things were very different. By the end of the year, I was on less medication. And within three years, all medication gone. Haven't been on it ever since. So it did, it completely changed my life. But I think almost one of the biggest things is, you know, saying a minute ago, you've had the sense of feeling other, of feeling quite different from people. And by, through Delicious Yella, I inadvertently started creating this community. Other people started coming to the website and they were struggling with all sorts of different things. And suddenly there was this kind of shared interest in this sense of connection with other people. I mean, they were complete strangers on the internet, mm. but it felt it felt really amazing. And I think it was also this sense of purpose because I was so lost. And as you said as well, it's a really, I think the, the early, your early 20s are actually a lot more difficult generally for they everybody suck. that people talk about. They suck. Your early 20s suck. Yeah. And I think there's this pressure. It should be the best time of your life. Yeah. But it's hard because you're trying mm. to figure out who you are and what you want to do. And you feel like all your friends have got it figured out. And I think all of that kind of came together where I did feel incredibly lost. I suddenly had this kind of clear sense of, right, this is changing my life. Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I ne- do that? Can I help the next person? Could th- this is what I want to do. And I felt really kind of called to it and really excited about it. And so I had this, I felt like I kind of had a wake up moment. That- it often seems the way like when people like out of desperation or when they're in like such a 
like fucked up situation, that's when they kind of feel this urge to like go and help others. Well, I think you relate to that sense of like, I, I would never, ever, ever want to go back to where I was. And this sense of if I could help one other person come out of that place, it would all feel quite worthwhile. Mm. And I think you, maybe it's that you need that, you know, when you're in the dark place, it's got to feel like there's a reason to be there. And maybe there's like a bigger purpose to it. What with, with you know there's loads of different like data that supports this stuff like for example um when people are unwell and they're in hospital and they sit next to a window and they see nature typically you you get healthier quicker mm. right and so a, a, a lot of kind of situational things your environment what you're doing kind of make you feel better is there an argument to suggest that because you had changed your diet to plant-based and you were on this sort of road to going, oh my God, I've changed something, I'm doing something, I'm in this. Could that have helped as well? Or do you fundamentally believe that, no, me changing my diet, that was it, that's what helped me? Oh no, I think it's absolutely a combination of mm. things. I don't think there's any kind of one simple solution to it. But I think definitely having that kind of a lot more mental clarity, a sense of purpose, a sense of excitement every day, un undeniably, I think that's got to have a big impact. It's like a placebo almost as well, because if you really believe... Exactly. Even, even if it's not doing anything. No, no. That, that belief will like will do a lot, I think. Do you know how strong placebo is as well? Like, yeah, it's no, extraordinary. It's, 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 it's extraordinary. You know, they've done like tests, for example, where, um, I know, even with like things like, uh, I think like diabetes likes things where they, they've sort of said that it's, this will, you know, help you, you with your insulin or whatever. And your body actually truly believes that, that they seem like a spike in insulin and things like this. But there's an extraordinary study that was done during chemotherapy for breast cancer with, with one um, group of people doing visualizations of, of the drugs working mm. and their results were infinitely better. What? It's actually yeah, so, it's it's so really fascinating. The mind is so powerful. It's like, like quantum Wait, physics. Wait, so, so explain that more. So people were, so people, explain that a little bit. They were given fake results? No, 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 they weren't given fake results. They were, they were doing the same um, chemotherapy, the same drugs, but one group were given visualizations to listen to, to, and the, and really focus the mind on the fact that the drugs were working and exactly how they were healing the body. Mm. And the results were, more beneficial the drug had bigger impacts on that cohort of people they did this test on like 25 people who were sort of clinically depressed um and what they did is they told them to start speaking positively to each other and so they, what they did, they spoke positively to each other. And they then got them to do different groups together where they would go and play tennis once a week. And by the end of something like six months, most of them were off the medication just because they were speaking nicely. And even if they didn't feel it, they would force to do that to each other. And it's how the brain works. If you really sort of push yourself towards a sort of positive place, actually it can make yourself feel better. Um, so you're, you're setting up the blog, you're doing all of the website, you're writing these and you're, you're documenting kind of your journey with this, um, with your situation. What happens next then? Do you then start thinking about, right, we want to expand this into a proper brand? No, that had honestly never crossed my mind. Um, had it not? Not not at this point. I mean, at this point, I was still living at home, my parents' kitchen, and my dad every day would say, when will Ella get a real job? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was still feeling, I was still kind of really figuring it out. And it wasn't until, so our first book came out at the beginning of 2015. And it was not, I don't say this in a self-deprecating way, it was not expected to be a success. You know, it would be great. We could sell it to the people that, that followed the brand online and on social media, but it wasn't, you know, they'd printed 20,000 copies and that was it. And we sold them before the book had come out. 
Oh my god, I've done a book and I know <laughs> how, yeah, many, yeah. how many did you sell? Not before it anywhere came out? near that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Woo, mine was a little bit less. <laughs> no, You're not no. helping save lives, Jay. That's why. Uh, well, listen through humour. <laughs> I think you've probably ki- killed a few people. Oh, yeah, oh my god, mine uh, was not very popular, but <laughs> but that's okay. That is okay. Can't get everything right. God, exactly right. You there can't. You, you can't get everything right. And so you 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 sold twenty thousand copies. Before. Yes, we'd sold thirty two thousand before the book was published. So I mean, it was what that is which crazy. Is in book world, it's a lot, and so it was if you do ten thousand, you're you're like well done, applauded for that. Yeah. Right? So we had this kind of we. It was just this moment where. You, it's really interesting. I, I think I knew my life was changing. I was, um, it's really strange as well, because you know magazines, they never let you see an, an interview or an article before it's published. But for some reason, they'd done an interview in You Magazine. We, I had done an interview in You Magazine. For some reason, they let me see it about two weeks before it ran, mm. which is quite unusual. Yeah. And I was, I was with my ex-boyfriend at the time and we'd be together four years. He's, great, he's a great guy, but I think we both had started to realise probably wasn't for the long term yeah and we were his sister's wedding in germany and it just again it just had felt like a different culture and i we were we'd had we were away together for three days i think we both just knew this was the end and Mm. it was in a really nice and friendly and kind of amicable way but i think it was quite clear look i'm done i'm uh, not into this anymore (laughs) yeah do you feel the same good i'm glad (laughs) yeah and it somehow works like that which was quite extraordinary but i was really it was it was the last night and he was living in america at the time and i Anyway, we were going our separate ways the next day and that felt, you could kind of feel something was shifting. And I got, mm. uh, that night, I got this email through with the You Magazine interview and the title was The Ella Effect. And it talked, so it's the very beginning of 2015 and it talked all about kind of the story and what I was doing and this community that I formed. And I read it and I was like, I think this, you know, you, you it feel- felt good. It, mm. it just felt like something was going to change and that life was about to be really different. I think because you were sitting there and it was, you could see like personally and professionally, everything was about to change. And then that came out a few days later. We also broke up a few weeks later. So, so you're like, I feel different. <laughs> I feel different. I, I feel like and much, I feel are, like relief. Are you, are you feeling the Ella effect? Because <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's yeah. what we should call it. I might just do the Ella effect. <laughs> oh Has anyone else so done bad. the... Ella effect where you break up and you feel a sense of change. (laughs) (laughs) And then the book was number one on Amazon. Wow. And God, there was some Daily Mail commenters, which, you know, you then learn, don't read those. Um, They're genius. The Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah, your first first time. Your first time. Oh boy. It's a real jungle that you get in there. Just wasn't ready for it. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how you could be ready for it, but I was not ready for it. My first ever Daily Mail comment I ever read. It was what the was first, it? it was the first, I was in the Daily Mail. I was like, I'm in the, I'm in the Daily Mail. I have freaking made it. This is the moment. And I went, who says don't read the comments? They're going to love me. And I read the first <laughs> one. First one was, saw this bloke walking up the King's Road. He really is a short, balding dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> oh You're my like, god yep, nailed it <laughs> yeah killed yeah. it here we are Start killed <laughs> it and then like two blow was like boy this guy's ugly i was like that's, that's like real that's like that's not even that's not even creative like but scrolling <laughs> i can't be right hang on let's get another one. Oh my god uh, it's, it's just horrendous. it's actually it's so brutal it is why, so why brutal. people so mean what's wrong with and that? a girlfriend of mine was like her best thing was to troll them back so she created her account like a fictional, which I think she was like Kathy from Leicester. And she would just go back at them all and oh, it only made it so much worse. Anyway, I obviously subsequently learned not to look at them. 
but just suddenly it exploded and I'd gone from this you know like literally just being in my parents kitchen nothing happening and very unsure about my life to suddenly being it felt like you were literally everywhere definitely mm. overexposed wow. and the story had been picked up by kind of every media outlet and you're suddenly on the radio or you're on this morning and you were doing this and you were doing I that remember, and people were talking about you not to you and it was just this kind of yeah, I think it's I had like sensed something was going to change, but I didn't realize it would change like that. It really did feel yeah. like that. D did you have that sense where everything seemed to be going in the right direction, that you were almost worried it was going to stop? <sighs> kind of yes and no. It felt... I didn't know what the right direction was because I genuinely wasn't intending for that to happen. Like, that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the aim. Did, did you still feel like you had ownership of, like, what was happening? Or was it just, like, this, like, runaway ship? It felt like, like a runaway ship. So in a way, it was, like, in a way, it was kind of the wildest dreams coming true, mm. which is this mission and this, like, concept that you're really passionate about suddenly going to everybody. But it did feel like the train had certainly left the station. Mm. It was kind of up in Scotland. You know, it had gone so fast. And I, I think I was... It was just really overwhelmed by it. And I mean, yeah, I'm so must. young. I had How old are you at this point? 24? 23, 20, 24. Oh yeah, God. I mean, I was an absolute baby. And I, I just, you know, Shit. you don't know what you don't know. So you said it's kind of great to go into it with naivety, but at the same time. Oh no, but that's tricky because when you're also, what's really hard, I can imagine, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. It's about health and all these different things. And you're only talking from your own experience. And then what happens is people come to you hoping for you to change their world. And you're like, hang on a second. I, I'm just... My idea, you know, this is my idea. I, it's it's suddenly going juggernaut and I'm too young to really understand how to can a little. Totally. And you're kind of pitched to something you're not. It was like, you know, the queen of healthy eating. I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm 23. Yeah. Like I just graduated from university. I'm learning to massage kale. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I literally felt I had got no idea what I was doing. Wow, that is scary because then also you're then... Uh, so fearful for whatever you put out or say because you're like, is this part? Is this on brand? Oh, is and it... I said so many wrong things. Of course things you as did. Well. Yeah, of course you. And you just don't know what to do and what to say and how to be. And then you always have to be like, um, what is your deepest flaw? My deepest flaw is I work too hard. Like, it's like that kind of answer because you don't really know what to totally. do. And I'm sure you, you know you guys felt the same, which is that I think it's this strange moment where you do feel kind of quite out of body. And you are kind of figuring out, you know, do I want to continue with this? But at the same time, you just think, well, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. And you've, mm. you've I felt I'd be insane not to run after it yeah. because that, that would, that was never, ever going to happen again. You know, you have those moments and you've got to capitalize on them. And it was this, even if it feels uncomfortable, you just get these crossroads in your life Absolutely. and you've got, if you don't take advantage of it, it just, it will not happen again. I, 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 without a doubt, believe that's true. I was actually talking to uh, Sophie, my fiance yesterday about that yesterday, said everyone gets little pockets of moments and it's about realizing what moments they are and going and grabbing hold of them. And some people don't really fly with them. They kind of just let them fizzle out, but actually you're meant to really go with it. But it's tough though. We, I think mine and Mitt's thing was different though, because we, we didn't have the pressure of, um, being kind of, uh, you know, responsible for people's health and things like that. We could be naughty and say things and just uh, mm. walk out of nightclubs drunk or whatever it was. No one cared. Like, but with you, you had to hold a position and a presence and a persona of being someone who is healthy and this and that and clean and tidy and all those different things. And you're 23 years old. That's intense mm. to handle that. And I think that also 
Oh my God. I, I, and no one else has been through it all. So you then also can't, it's not when you say, oh God, um, I have a headache. What do I do? And they say, take a headache pill. You have no one to really turn to, to ask for advice. So you're just going through it. No, totally. And I think it was also, you'd already felt quite other, you know, and it's strange. We were saying the last few years, cause you felt you were quite different from all your peers. And then suddenly you feel even more different. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was kind of, it was just a, a really kind of strange mixed bags of mixed bag of emotions where in some ways it's extraordinary and you feel so lucky, but in other ways you feel very isolated and a little bit confused. Yeah. And I'm going to stop you there. This end of part one. I want to come back to part two. I want to talk about marriage. I want to talk about your brand and I want to talk about your new book. Okay. You ready for it? Yeah. Because boy, I am. Mick, you ready for it? Oh, boy. Oh, I, baby. I am in. Oh, the Aller effect. We'll <laughs> see you in part two. Bye-bye.